2: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
1: Welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. I am Matt Jones and joining me today are Joe Thomas, Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland. On our weekend where a team scored a 97th minute winner, someone scored seven, who we're not going to mention. We have still got the biggest story of the weekend, which is Everton scoring two goals away from home. <laughs> but not quite managing to get over the line. Uh, Joe and Chris, you were both there. Joe, I'll come to you first, mate. Uh, one of those games that I think a lot of fans going into it, and I'll include myself in that, would be saying, I'll probably take a point here. But when you see it forward, you see everything go ahead twice, you'd see the way the game pans out. You can't help but come away from it thinking, let two points slip away there.
2: Definitely two points dropped. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, going into that last 15 minutes or 4Everson had, had ridden out of the storm a little bit in that second half as well. You know, Forrest got a bit of momentum around the hour mark, and then just like Evan did in the first half, just after Forrest equalised, like to the Gay, just she's a bit of experience to win a few fouls in the centre circle and just break up. 4Everson had done the hard work, but then, like, I, I, as, as you say, unfolded a bit of a mistake from Adelaide Corey and that's that, and in the last 10 minutes, it probably looked like Forrest were more late to score, but it's definitely two points dropped, but I think it is a game a bit like some of the recent ones on the Dice where you can definitely take positives from as well. Most obviously, the fact that Evan has scored two goals in a game first time since since October, which is a, a terrible stat, but you know at least it shows that uh, <laughs> we're making some progress. And obviously, a, you know, a goal from open play as well. So, well, a save from open play did come <laughs> on. on nah, nah, nah. Can, you, can you count a Tarkovsky header onto a keen header onto a... Dec- Probably not, I've gone ahead of myself there, maybe I'm getting a little bit too excited, but, you know, I, I come out of that ground, I come out of the sea ground, feeling disappointed because I thought it was a missed opportunity, but more positive about Everton in general than I was going into the game, I think.
1: Chris, I, And you sort of share that, that point of view you're trying to take the. A... The positive side of things more than the negative side of things. Because it feels like one of those games where you could probably take as as much in either Camp as, as you want. Really.
3: Yeah, um with me mean, beforehand. I mean we try to be realistic because on the on the Royal Blue podcast as well, being positive, And we, we had all gone for effort and victories in our in our pre-match predictions. And it felt, you know, it was given the results the way that it panned out over the weekend, both in terms of Southampton winning but then everyone else losing, it really sort of Constantine did it all in again, and this was a, a huge opportunity for and if they were to win. But um, Joe actually asked me after the game when we were sort of reflecting on it all, on Everton, so do, do I feel Everton are closer or further away from, from staying up after that result? And I've, I said, I think they're just marginally in a better p- position. Um, you've got to remember, Nongan Forest got a really good home record, um... I know they're they're not far above Everton at the table, but you know as a newly promoted club, they make it really difficult when you go there. They made it chaotic. Kevin, a positive, actually looked the more more assured side for for long periods. But going ahead twice, you've got to be disappointed that they didn't hold on to those three points. I'm just saying to Joe, if that equalised the second equaliser, come five minutes later, I'd probably be a lot more disappointed now. But but in the end, you're probably just um, glad to get it way from a point, yeah, because it's the kind of game that, in perhaps slightly different circumstances, ever could have even lost.
1: Yeah, it is like Gav the in the course of a you know, look at this game in isolation. Maybe earlier in the season, the team that's on a good run at home and hasn't lost at home for a long time. You, you probably take your points and, and move on there, don't you? But is is it the fact that we are still in the bottom three? We've got a little bit of a tricky run of games to to come, and there's only twelve games left in the, the season now, which is kind of crept up on us all a little bit and. And while it's, it's clear that maybe this team is making steady progress on the Sean dice time is getting a little bit of the essence now, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, about whether it was a point gained or two points lost. And I was, I then I was thinking about what we said on the pod on Friday yeah. about the importance of these two games because of the, the immediate run of fixes afterwards. And the point, I think, is a point gained if we beat Brentford on Saturday. Because you say four points in two games, you take the point from Forest. But if you don't get a point from if you don't get a win from Brentford, then I think it's two points lost. Uh, I think it's possible to have both views because I don't see this game in isolation. It's these two games of vital one because we've got Tottenham, Chelsea, Man United, and then you've got like some trophies in the last eight games. And so I think I think I'm deferring judgment on on it till. Till so, uh, after the Brentford game, my immediate reaction was, if you win a 2-1 with 15 minutes left, you've got to take the win. And I'm, I'm veering more towards two points lost as a game itself. And that's a disappointing thing, really. If you're away from home, you're leading twice. Desperately disappointing, isn't it? Not to, not to take the
1: three points at the end of it. Yeah, not 100%. And going back to the start, Joe, I haven't talked of Neil Lope a lot in his pre-match fresh conference, Sean, but obviously made a decision to drop him. I think going in favour of Damari Gray leading the line, I and mean, it was a decision that paid off pretty early on, wasn't it? With, with him sticking that penalty away, and I think that that's going to be one of the, the things I imagine he will take from that game. Sean Bay. you know, we've tried a few different options at the top end of the pitch, and I don't think Gray was amazing by any means, but he seemed to offer Everton something a little bit different, a bit of freshness at that end of the
2: pitch. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm coming away from the game. In a slightly better place, and when I went into it, you know, I agree with what Gav said about. Obviously, we spoke last week about how Forest and Brentford, yeah, <clears throat> you know, Evan probably needs to win at least one of those games. That was an opportunity to get that over the line early doors. But I think that you know, some good lessons to take from that from from Deitch, I, I thought, and, and Damari Gray was probably the best because, yeah, you know, having repeatedly asked him about Damari Gray in the press conferences he started to get the sense that he didn't fancy him, and you know, like you just said, then he was big at Neil Mopé that we in, in midweek. I think as a side story, I think trying to in, try to read between the lines of Sean Dyche is going to be coming an interesting um, challenge for me to do. I think over the next over the next twelve games because Frank Lampard was just very very straight and very very honest with everything that he did, and whilst I'm not saying that Dyche isn't. Yeah, I think he is very honest and, and, and plays everything straight. But you know, I think if you know, it, it was very difficult to see Damari Gray starting coming out of the Friday the uh, the press conference on on Friday. So you know, so obviously you've got to try and read between the lines there. But yeah, Daesh, um picked Demary Gray. And I thought he played well, Damari Like he definitely offered more than what Neil Mope and, and Ellis Sims have done under Daesh's reign so far. Okay, he's not a big target man, and. I think, in fairness, probably have to make the point that this is probably the weakest defence that he's come up against, apart from the Leeds game. You know, Felipe's experienced, but they're not the best at centre back for us. He got a lot of injuries there, but I thought he caused them quite a few problems. He held the ball up quite well, and it's not just about winning flick-ons and winning headers. But you know, quite often he was his first touch was able to take him into a channel, and then and then it becomes a foot race, becomes up pace. And he's got a little bit more about him then that that when he. You know, he it starts to even up the terrain against the centre backs or the full backs he's doing. And what it does is just buys time for other players to get up around him. And we saw that with Abdullah Dakota in particular, you know, but also with with Dwight McNeil and, and Alex Awobi. You know, if 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 Gray can get that first touch and then you know get something to chase onto, he can bring other players into the game. And that just worked quite well, I thought, yesterday. And and Yo. you know Evans' best chances, you know, as we've said, probably came from set pieces to a certain extent and then and from the counter attack as well. And he just poses a different threat to defenses than Neil Mope or Ellis Sims, when he's the one that's running at centre backs or he's the one and when they've got to think about, you know, right. I haven't seen Neil Mope beat a player very often. in you know, Neil Mope's game, I think Neil Mope's game is about getting in front of that last man and getting the tap in or getting your know, poking home or and then oh, just hustling and harrying and forcing mistakes. I mean we haven't seen a lot of what his game is at its best, to be honest. But what we haven't done is he, he doesn't seem to be a creative force or a really a weapon whenever in a counter attack. And even in the games where they've played slightly more counterattacking football over, over the past few weeks, again, albeit against better sides. So yeah, the Damari Gray experiment worked. It's still, I, where I think the more this side progresses, the more its limitations are exposed. And I think that, you know, that was the case at the end of the first half when, you know, Damari Gray had that chance to, to put Everton free one up going into the break. It was a great chance. You know, he probably should have done better. And, and that's where Everton's problem lies. Obviously, they haven't got someone that's just going to put those efforts away four times out of five or even three times out of five. But, you know, it's promising he'd gone to that position. I thought he caused not Forest some problems. I thought he had to bring Everton players into the game in the final third and get Evan up the pitch. You know, we're watching Deitch on the touchline you know, all the time, is urging Evan just to get up the pitch, get up the pitch, obviously, I know they've got Brendan Johnson, Morgan Gibbs-White playing out wide, but they, they sit a little bit deeper, you know, Forrest played with Chris Woods, so they had a little bit more freedom to step up, because he hasn't got the pace, and, you know, it just worked, it looked, it looked like a type of game plan that could be effective against, you know, those mid-table sides to bottom half of the table that Evan are really going to need to pick up points against in the running, so, you know, I've, I've I thought it was promising. I went into the weekend thinking Damari Gray has to start. He has to get an opportunity. Surely, you know, some of us have been saying this for weeks. And I thought should almost ruled him out. In the end, just started him. I think I think Gray played well. I think deserves credit. Cause he fought hard as well. You know, it wouldn't have been easy for him these last few weeks. You know, he did track back. He did put tackles and he did hustle. He did Harry, and you know that could only have boosted his confidence and Dieter's confidence in him. And hopefully, it'll be Gray starting again going forward.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, I mean, in, in the first half, Chris, that's the most and ever i have looked for a long time, I think, as an attacking unit, isn't it? it you no, know, I'm certainly away from home, and, you know, Joe mentioned there about how Gray helped this everything together. He obviously has. Scores the goal, he has a great chance to half time. Um, obviously, McNeil has a shot that Navas does well to tip over. We, we could have had a penalty. And as much as we're all, you know, I've always very happy that Everton scored twice at half time, it, it could have easily been a lot more, couldn't it? And that, that's kind of the frustration of, of the game, isn't it? In a sense, that maybe if the attack had just done a little bit more, we could have gone over the line. And then the second half, if the defence had done a little bit more, we could have gone over the line as well.
3: Yeah, I didn't know. taking that as, as the whole piece, like we said, it. Maybe not so bad to escape with a point. But yeah, that, that first half dominance, given how Everton, once, you know, they picked back once, got themselves in front again, and then had opportunities for, for that, third, that third goal. I mean, maybe we shouldn't get too ahead of ourselves, given that the, the absolute paucity of um, goal scoring opportunities that have, they've created and both taken this, this season. But yeah, it was disappointing. I thought Gray should have at least done better there. Uh, that chance that he, he had to to add a fed, But yeah, he, he, he was a different type. I keep saying he's looking at different ways to score. Obviously, getting more people in the box have, have we mentioned and that that the the threat that um Gray brought, I mean, sort of a false number nine. not your traditional sort of leading the live player when you've got one up top. But, you know, it's not been working with the other options be that Neil Mopay or um Ellis Sims in the derby. He offered more than either of those have done so yeah, it is that frustration when whenever they were on top. Yeah, Forrest had their moments after the break and did the end perhaps ever clinging on a bit uh, as the game finished. But yeah, when they were when their tails were up and they were two one ahead, you it that maybe they have that little bit more composure. But you know, it's, it's that gradual thing, you just gotta remember that that's where they are at the moment they are in the bottom three, so maybe but maybe it's it's a case of baby steps. Yeah, the the one disappointing thing about
1: the attack for me have sort of thrown this forward to the second half now, is that I thought then as Forrest came forward, and you know, Joe's mentioned, got players like Felipe at the back, who aren't necessarily the most mobile, I thought we'd have chances on the break, certainly with Gray and his speed, and Awobi's ball-carrying ability, and McNeely's been a lot better recently, but, I and, and you know, we'll come on to talk about the defending, Emerson did in the second half a little bit, a little bit later on, but as an attacking force in the second half, they, they just kind of ceased to exist a little bit, didn't they?
0: Well, just as an offensive force, full stop, didn't they? Um, I think that's fatigue, isn't it? And some of this goes back to our lack of options on the bench and the fact that we could only, I mean, I'm not sure of the times of the substitute, in a minute from the end, we brought both subs on well, uh, You would like to think that in a perfect world of winning 2-1, we can bring a couple of pacey attackers on after 70 minutes, say something like that. Um, to, as you say take advantage of the, the spaces um and forest defence but we didn't have to have that play to play three times a week after a really tough outing at, at Arsenal and the legs weren't there Matt. I think probably the desire was there but the legs weren't there and perhaps you were a little bit overprotective about it our league but I was disappointed in a couple of plays yesterday on Arna for me didn't do enough I thought he was disappointing and in no sorts of circumstances I'd expect his youth and physique and, and his his characteristics, physical characteristics, to, to enable us to get up the pitch faster. But he did did nothing really for me. Was it? They have thirty two touches or something?
3: Yes, I don't know. know. I, well, that, I thought he was quite. Yeah. He didn't use his physicality in the way that I would have liked in that kind of a game. Yeah, I mean, in a physical game as well. thinking
0: he was anonymous really. The frustrating thing for me at the moment is that either either an honor or the corner one of them's okay in the game and the other one isn't we don't you never get a game where two of us you know on their on their you know that show the best of ability. so yeah i think it was just fatigue matt and you know but at the same time we didn't get the impression that we were massively under pressure as well we sort of like caught between two you know two things and yeah that, that, but it's a lack of substitutions for me the lack of options on the off the bench and I think a more a team with more resources would have taken advantage of that better than us in The uh, in the second half, do, the thing I say about the great goal is you might touch on this later on, but the difference in Gray's finish to Johnson's finish for the second, they're not in two the similar areas of the pitch, and Johnson takes that touch, doesn't he? Looks up, sees the gap, and sticks it in. Where Gray sort of snatches at it. I see what he's trying to do is probably he's trying to get the Try to get it in the capital team the keeper, and the, and the near post. But that's the difference between a good player and somebody who is not a natural striker like Gray is, and it you know hasn't got that way with all within his in his football brain to, to to assess situations and take the best option. Where really, like Johnson at a crucial time in the game did, and that's the difference between like good players and players who are okay. And uh, that was the frustrating thing about that. That great finish in the first half—it's a completely different game than if we go three-one ahead, isn't it? That was the key moments of the game for me. The
2: Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
1: Yeah, it certainly feels like that would have knocked the stuff out of them a bit. Certainly being right on half time as well. Um, but, Joe, you know, as Gab said there, with around 15 minutes to go, Everton were in a good position. They were leading the game. Forrest had made a lot of changes, and it, it sort of felt like they would run out of ideas a little bit. And then Everton make a mistake and, and then switch off. And it's, it's becoming a bit of a, a tailor's all this time, isn't it? And as much as we focus on the lack of goals and Talk about how they can solve their options at the top end of the pitch. Do you think it'll be a, a bit of a concern for for Sean Dyche that first of all we are conceded quite a lot of goals, and a lot of them are coming from individual mistakes as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mistakes is something that he mentioned when I spoke to him at Finch Farm on, on Friday. Something he needs to you know try and eradicate from the side. I think I think Dyche is, is happy with the progress that his side's making tactically and and physically, and I think we can all see. We can all see the progress that is there. it's transforming, you know, it's tra- translating uh, to performances on the pitch, and, and and it's obvious that they're they're a much more competitive side. But you know, those mistakes are, are proven very, very costly. You know, I think Dage sees it and probably don't, don't disagree with it. Two mistakes that cost him the game against Liverpool, um obviously, and then the Drissi guy giving away a penalty against Aston Villa. You know, okay. Some people say it, that wasn't a penalty. I think it was. I think it was a clumsy tackle he didn't need to make. Then obviously his goal, his mistake for the second goal, against Arsenal just killed that game. And then he was speaking about mistakes going into this one. And then obviously Abdoulaye Diouf makes a mistake for for the um, yeah for the equaliser. It's just that so so frustrating. It just kind of it just makes you wonder where the limits of this Evans side are. You know, can you actually eradicate those mistakes, or is this just a group of players that? can't get through ninety minutes without making big mistakes and when you score as few goals as Evan do, and when you're, you know, not as strong at the back as as you'd like to be, well more often than not those those mistakes get punished. You know, it's um it's it's a difficult one to compute because again, you don't want to be too harsh on Dakoric. He had a good game. You know, he's come into the side, come out from the cold on the dykes and he's he's been relatively impressive, but you know, he still made the mistake that that has cost Evan two points. So it's like Adrissa gay. Two huge mistakes against um, Villa and, and against Arsenal. I thought he was very good yesterday. And obviously, him and Decore were brilliant in the win against Leeds. But I think part of this comes back to, you know, one of the other points the Gav was, was kind of making there. It's 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 the lack of depth. Because what Everton don't have is they don't have competition for places, you know. And that must be somewhere in the back of the mind. You know, Decore and, I mean, Gay. Gay was lucky to keep his place today, uh, yesterday. I would have started him, I think. I certainly would have started him if they'd gone to four four two. Um because there just aren't really that many options. Tom Davis has struggled a little bit when he's come on um, in the last few weeks, and obviously James Garner isn't fit. And then if you move to a four four two, then you're completely changing the fabric of the side. And I think Deitch really, really values consistency. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that lack of strength and depth that's killing Evan because although, you know, obviously Evan were linked with AU, um, you know, just after the transfer window closed because they needed a striker and, and he was available for free. You know, they were linked with Dennis last summer when Watford went down. Obviously, those two and, and Ryan Yates came on and didn't see anything really. Yates had a good shot. I'm sorry, um, AU had a good shot. I didn't really see anything from AU and Dennis that made me think, ah, oh, you know, I wish Fellwell and Lampard or Fellwell and, you know, Diet should with the money for the wages and any, any other fees around them to, Yes, to sign them up for Everton, but it was just fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh ideas, fresh energy. You know, Yates plays the one-two with Johnson for for the equalizer. And it just made a big difference, and that's what Everton don't have. And and this is this is a problem. Can ever, you know, it's, it's can Everton get through ninety minutes without making a big mistake? Can Everton? How do and how do Everton turn positive seventy-five minutes into a positive ninety minutes? I think. Again, there was progress yesterday in the sense that against Aston Villa and against Arsenal at the Emirates, it was positive 40 minutes. So I was thinking, how do they turn a positive 40 minutes into a positive 60? And then a good for their turn. Well, against Forest, they had a, probably had a positive 60 minutes and it couldn't quite convert it into, into positive 90 and getting the, the result. And, and that, those are probably the two biggest things he's going to have to overcome, really, because he can't do anything about the lack of strength in depth. See Patterson and Garner on their way back, that'd be helpful. Calvert Lewin, if and when he, he comes back, would be useful. But he can't he can't strengthen the team and he can't. I don't I don't know how he eradicates mistakes in in, in, in a side where there's just such little competition for places. You yeah. know, isn't gonna face any consequences for that. Whether he should or not is open to debate, but he's not a Drissigay, didn't face any consequences for for mm. you know, for his mistakes and I'm not sure that that's you know I, f- I think players need to be playing on the edge and know that their places is at risk really if, if you're going to try and get them to concentrate non-stop for 90 minutes Everton can't do that
1: Yeah I mean I was following the game obviously back back at the office and monitoring social media and there was constant streams of we need to make a change we need to make a change and then when Tom Davis and Neil Lope come on it's a case of oh no not them too and it kind of feels like <laughs> Where we are, Chris. I mean, you you guys are in the ground, and obviously, when you you're in the stadium, you, you get a sense of the manager needs to do something here. Do You know, feel like there needs to be some urgency. Well, were you looking up that bench and anyone in particular thinking, Everton could really benefit from having player X or player Y on here," or do you kind of understand why Sean Dyche just kept it as he was?
3: Yeah, that that's the problem, Matt. Um, they did make they did need to make a change. We could all see that. You know, even laymen like ourselves, and you know, we're not an experienced manager like Sean Dykes, but you know, with football people, we can see that. But if he, does he trust who's on the bench to, to to make a to make a change? I mean, Tom Davis only came on after eighty nine minutes, but he did it like there was a horrendous moment in the middle when uh, he made a mess of things. And um, yes, so you know, do you really give somebody you know the last twenty minutes or something like that? So we were crying out for that. But yeah, there's, it's that chronic lack of options because. Where they've got a surfeit of centre backs, uh, you know. You could play about six of them, you're not going to do that to change a game. I suppose you could just like bring your load on and just try and shut up shop, but maybe a bit ridiculous, wouldn't it, from a sort of the, the team shape point of view? But yeah, it's just not got options in those, as Liz Gab says, you know, a couple of speedy forwards last 20 minutes, something like that. I mean, you could, I, I suppose, you could have uh, the option could have been you brought on Mopay and Sims and sort of got certainly after Forrest went 2 2, but. You uh, dare open it up there as much as we're saying we're disappointed Everton only took a point. Do you really start to go 4-4-2 for the last 12 minutes or something like that cause he ended up losing three or four? So, yeah, that's the conundrum that he's faced. It's obvious that he did need those fresh legs and he did need extra energy after what has been three tough games in a week and that was a real end-to-end game. I know probably got a certain sense of that watching it on TV but being there and at the stadium, it, it was wild at times. It was absolute chaos. I mean, I was speaking to Michael Ball earlier for his column and he was he, he almost compared it like a cup tie or even a championship game and the fact that Everton were being sucked down to that level so yeah they desperately needed the bodies but Deitch is still new to the job and I'm not too sure how many of those substitutes he certainly trusts certainly in terms of
1: um, making a positive contribution yeah th- there's a lot of talk about substitutes Gav but j- just sort of look at this and think maybe Decoré and, and a game in particular I-, I know they've played a lot of football but you know they're both very experienced players, They're among the most experienced players in our squad. This is not, as much as he didn't have a good game yesterday, Amadou Anana making mistakes. He's a young player, settling into the Premier League still. He's in a case of. But you've just got to be a little bit better there in those situations, you know, regardless of how, how much football you've played and regardless how leggy you are. You, you played enough in this league to, to sort of know when to, to try and play and trigger passes in your own half and when not to.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't I mean, fatigue, I don't think um, Garner-Gay's mistake at Arsenal that fatigue. Wasn't it it wasn't just before half-time. Just poor decision-making, isn't it? Didn't just had a look, to think, before it came on in? I thinking dice of six games, opposition made 23 substitutions, Everton 16, and off, off those 16, 10 of them have been Sims, Mokai and Davis. And very rarely made substitution before the 70th minute. That just shows, you know, our our of options on the bench, and you know, who we can bring on. Yeah, I, I just felt physically at the end yesterday, we looked, you we know, some, some of our players looked out on the field, didn't we? Um, Because of the nature of the games, Chris said, it was a, it was a great ad for the hairy bernie of English football, was it? But not a great ad for the quality of the Premier League. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that montage on Matt's Day last night. It's a bit, like, the four different passes in play where the the teams effectively pass the ball to each other, Oof. and yeah, I, I I just thought we were our northeast, but that makes it a, a weirdy point to me in in that context at the end. Yeah. And we and we we didn't have to, the like legs to uh, to take advantage of the, of the gaps That the way the way in Forest's Forest defence. I think Gray as well has got pace. He has a habit of holding onto the ball too long, doesn't he, and not releasing it when when we're on the break. And that's cost us at least one goal this season. So, yeah, I think fatigue now doesn't excuse mistakes, but it, it did excuse the thing called last 15, 20 minutes yesterday. Do the comments from yesterday, I don't know whether you mentioned this, but no one's first goal. Did you, do you think Pickford was a false? As well, do so you think he should have parried the ball better?
1: I think he's got a little bit of a habit in his game where he probably doesn't push it quite far enough for talent. He was very similar to the goal that we conceded against the McGoodleson, wasn't he? Um, but I think I think that would be... I'd be more critical of Michael Keane, if I think, in my opinion, black that goal than Jordan.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did... He, he parries it. You know, he's supposed to parry it towards the corner, flag only, but he parries it. So it back into the danger area. And he got away with one in the second half, didn't he? Where Johnson slipped. And if Johnson has stayed on his feet, he probably may have had a tapping for their for the goal. I right? And I think I just thought Pickford, I thought I'd be looking at him there saying he should be doing better there. Because you goalkeeper should be put the ball back into the danger area. I I know some of our defenders, as well as sort of went asleep. But I don't think he's beyond criticism for the first goal. Um and I say maybe he did the same in the second half, but anyway, it just I know what you're saying about fatigue, but our options, are, those stats say a lot, don't they? Opposition make 50% more substitutions than us. And the ones that yesterday, a minute, to le- minute left, so they're not really subs, are they, in terms of effect back the game? And um, that's the that's concern for me.
2: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
3: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little
1: I mean, I was going to quickly throw to you. Be is actually about Pickford because you, you gave him man of the match in in your play. Yeah. Right? so it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that because I think, I think for me, after it goes to two two, he does really well in making a couple of good saves and and helping Everton preserve the point from that point on.
3: Yeah, and to be fair, and he saved he saved well. Was it from Ayew towards the end as well? He was very busy and that you know he was given that earlier bombardment. Well, I'll just say in response to. To Gav's, um point, which I think is, it, it's fair enough, you can always sort of question about where he's on the second one. When you when we're, we're going back to uh, a favourite subject of both Gav and I, uh, Neville Southall, when we're when we're um, questioning any sort of Everton goalkeeper and excellence, when you watch all those um, big Nev saves back on the footage, it's amazing how many second time around rebounds Nev gets to. He saves the first one, and then he gets up and he saves the second one as well. And that's what's truly mm-hmm. made him the best goalkeeper in the world. With the fact that I mean it was harsh anyway, it was a tap in for for, for the for the sec for the first goal, Sonny. But you wonder far at the peak of his powers, he'd have saved the first one and then he got up and he would have saved the second one as well. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just
0: thought that's the thing about goalkeeping, isn't it, that you know, when I've heard like people talking about goalkeepers and parrying the ball and off shots, as you're parrying away some days, you don't mean you don't parry the ball back into the danger area. And let's face it, it was a decent attempt on goal, wasn't it? Um, but it wasn't that difficult. It was like a nice fight and it wasn't it wasn't a you know rocket shot. But any stretch of the imagination, it was a side foot to death with I, I would have expected Pickford to done it a bit better there and just parried it away to safety towards the corner flag. But hey, I am not a goalkeeper, but uh, it's just it just seemed to me that actually you should have done a bit better. In another way, apart from that two things, I thought you had people getting You mean I stopped the air put on with his bus at the near post, didn't you? That was off Johnson as well, I think. Um, and there was, you know, the, yeah, and to be fair, talking about the central defence, there was a bit of a bomb on it, wasn't at the times in the second half, and they stood up pretty well. I mean, there was a case I had the clearance by Godfrey. Yeah, then uh, the he's thinking of the out and he just got his head in the way. And he did a bit, Godfrey, for all his faults at Arsenal, and I know he was sort of, can be a bit of a liability, they had a break and he read it very well didn't he when he started to play i don't know if it was johnson behind him and he was showing it on the telly and he just altered his run to block the pass because they would have been on a one-on-one so you know we, we did show some defensive
1: resilience yesterday which is encouraging one other thing i, I wanted to speak about as well is know another type of resilience in, in a sense joe is that everton on the show and dice, seems to really enjoy getting into scraps. Uh, they've been <laughs> three times now, I think, since he he took her, uh It looks like there might be another one on the way after yesterday, because there's a few little flash points. And, and, and listen, it's one of those things as, as fans, isn't it? We all, when the teams are doing well, you, you want more fight. You want to see players get in the face of the opposition, get in the face of the referee. Um, and I'm sure people in the way end and watching on was, was loving that yesterday. Um, but the way these fines are coming in, it's, it's a bit like having another player on the books, isn't it? Having to pay hundred grand a week or so. Um, what, what, what are you thoughts on that? Is this something that you think is just going to carry on, or is it? Do you look at it now and maybe we need to put a bit of a lid on it?
2: It's definitely going to carry on. <laughs> that there's there's, there's there's no there's, there's just no doubt. So two fines already under the three free for the season. So so far this season, they've been fined under fifteen thousand pounds um for, for the flare ups. I actually asked Daesh about this um, after the Leeds game because it was obvious a second charge was coming and my impression for me was he, he didn't care. Um, I think in his view, he wants his players to show fight, obviously within the the, the, the limits of the game and I think he views the, the punishment system as it is. Obviously, he can't say this, um, but I think he views the system as it is now as just... A bit incredibly flawed, really. And that the FA and uh, clamping down on, you know, <clears throat> scuffles and that, which are largely harmless. You know, he doesn't see an issue in them. As long as, like, punches aren't getting thrown and people aren't getting hurt or injured, you know, I think he's more than that. I think he sees it as part of the game and he sees it ridiculous that it's being policed as sensitively as it currently is. So I I don't think that... Well, when I asked him at the time after Leeds, I said, do you have any words for your players to say, look, to try calm it down? He said, no. Um, he didn't have any concerns on that front. I think to a large degree, he'd be pleased to see that fight. I think as well, you know, when you when we look at the, the low points of H's very short stint so far at Everton Boss, it is the 86 minutes it took until they decided to show any fight to get at Anfield. And then it's the you know, the the second half against Arsenal where you're know, at the Emirates, where even though the game was lost, Everton just, they just collapsed. And it, it collapsed. It was, even though it was a collapse, that came against the top of the league, who were rampant and are at home and they're already 2-0 out. And Everton were unlikely to get it from that game. It was still so dispiriting by how poor it was. So really, I I think that that fight is going to continue because I think it's what the fans want to see as well. And, and finally, I think it will, continue as well because Everton. let's be realist Everton don't have the quality to they have the quality to just outperform teams to play teams off the park this Everton side there's no way that this Evan side stays in the Premier League if it doesn't fight for survival it has to fight it has to get in teams faces it has to be aggressive has to be assertive because it hasn't got the quality just to win games there aren't players there that are going to consistently produce moments of magic to get them out of tough situations they've got to do everything that they can to make it a level playing field against sides that are more often they're not going to come up against them and have more quality and more options so I think it's just going to continue whether or not yeah there were a few incidents against Forrest there wasn't perhaps like the, the the huge flare-ups where everyone gets involved that we kind of saw at Liverpool and Leeds but you know, I, I don't, at the end of the day, the money's not coming out of Deitch's pocket. Uh, where, what, what element of the club's funds, and we know the funds there's questions over the club's funds, where it does come from. I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, I, I, just, I don't expect it to stop. I don't expect Deitch to be having to go at anyone behind closed doors. Maybe if someone who's already on a booking then decides to get involved when they don't need to and get sent off and it costs seven or something, then that's then, then. But un- until that point, no, it's going to continue.
3: Streaming June 4th, only on
1: Hulu. Yeah, I mean, as well, Chris, throwing this towards the, the referee and one decision in particular, uh, both managers were very unhappy with, with yeah. the officially yesterday. Uh, maybe that, that didn't help matters either, but uh, did you really feel from watching on in the office that he had a particularly good grip on the game?
3: No, I said there's probably, like I said, because he let, he let things go and... Uh... I'd say, in Evans' defence, I mean, a lot of these flared ups have actually been caused by the opposition, and I'm glad they're fighting back. But um, I'd say that um, um, it's always been the opponents who've actually possibly sparked it. But yeah, both ref- both managers were very at uh, the varying reasons. But they, you know, you know when both managers come in, going on about the referees, perhaps not at the the best of games. Yeah, he let, he let a lot go early on, and that sort of set the tempo and allowed the game to be played. People have compared it to the uh, Amadou Anana situation, Villa a weekend before, where he's on the booking from the first minute, and he's you know he's he's on eggshells then for the last eighty nine. Whereas, because things were allowed to to sort of to to ride earlier on uh, in the Forest game, um, that that sort of um, set the tone for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, there was a, the the second penalty shout for Seamus um he was adamant, and it was a penalty. Whatever we thought of it, we know James Coleman's not a diver, and died who was obviously a centre half in his own career, said that he'd said himself to the referee if that wasn't a penalty, that he didn't know what was. And then Cooper comes out as Forest manager, and then um, he he slates the ref for a whole load of different reasons, and then actually responded directly to my question to him, asking what he thought of the Coleman incident, and he, he claimed he didn't even remember it. So there you go. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Gar, any any complaints about that non penalty award for you? I'm um, seeing uh, on Ref Watch this morning again. got Gallagher, surprise, surprise. If the referee did get it right, mm-hmm. was, it, How would, was you it? My own, my only comment on it
0: is, considering the VAR supposed to, and uh, the perception brought is so it's be all seeing and you know covers every angle and stuff. The television camera angles are just inconclusive, an way. And, they, and I find that hard to believe. When we play so much sustained V you can't see uh, but in that that particular part of the picture it's only sort of the goal and sort of 90 degree angle whatever it is there's no camera that can see tell you whether it's contact or not and i i just thought that was my main comments and because of that vagueness you get the benefits of the belt to uh the defense just 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 going back to dice never had really seen it there's an interesting an article on it on a on Football 365 by John Nicholson today. Um, he's normally a good sight but he's highly critical of Dice in the style of play today, just generally. And I'll just call you this passage about yesterday, because I think it's very really incestant. It says, It's about Evan. On Sunday, they played a brutal lower league mid 90s style game, tried to disrupt Forrest with fouls, aggression, pushing, throwing the ball away, provoking fights, screaming up to the opposition, and play acting. It was ugly and it fits perfectly the cliche about dice that he and his pals have so long denied is true. So, now, I now, kick streak from the trend, then that, Gav. Yeah, yeah. Now I had that. I'm... There's some of it about dice that we know, but unless it was very much mistaken in the complication, there was two teams who were bang at it, where the, you know, no, and... <laughs> so, I, I didn't give the sense yesterday, ever went out to provoke. You know, Forrest, I just felt the sense that it was a massively important game for both teams. And there was a lot of jeopardy around the game. Meant that that, that ended up like wild, well, that ended up with that type of game, like an old school FA Cup semi final. And like the Leeds game, the same, there was a lot of jeopardy around that. And John Nichols is normally a good writer. Good so I just think he's got it all wrong there. Yeah. Um, and in a sense, he's reinforcing the dice reputation. And I, I, I don't know what Joe, Joe's saying. You are right. Um, but that's what we want to see. But sometimes circumstances of games throw so you into, into that, dumpy, that that type of um, behaviour. And um, I didn't get the sense yesterday it was all evident, to be fair. I think Forrest gave as much good as they got as Leeds did. And I, 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 I thought that was a disappointing angle. Um, but at, at, at the same time, I do think at some point you've got to show quality. That that's only going to do you so much, isn't it? Really, that type of thing that we're talking about is at some points against the better teams. You've got more quality than yet. You. You're going to make it's going to be difficult for you to 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 get a result if that's you your offering. It was quite interesting yesterday. Thought the first half, I think you've something like um, something. jones you know, something you're not written many times. on Twitter during the game with Everton. So, showing a coherence attacking policy or something like that, you know, which we've not done. And I thought we did be quite fluid in the first half on occasions up front. Uh, and I think hopefully oh, we've more of that in the last, you know, 11 or 12 games. But I just thought that was a bit of a cliched criticism by on football's 365, which was not necessarily true.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree, and I read that piece this morning and thought it missed quite a lot of context, but uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, we will leave it there this week here on the Royal Blue podcast. There. If you haven't already, do go and check out all the great work from Joe and Chris from the City ground yesterday and all great coverage around the game. Uh, we will, of course, be building up to that massive game now at got Park against Brentford on Saturday throughout the week on all of them black and pages. Well, another podcast coming out later in the week as well. But cheers for tuning in. Cheers to Joe, Chris and Gab. That's been your Royal Blue podcast. We'll speak to you again soon. You've been listening to the Royal
3: Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.